listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. As we celebrate this fifth Sunday of Easter, we continue our catechesis, I guess, or exposition of the seven sacraments. And this week we will uh, explore the anointing of the sick, uh, a sacrament in some places that's uh, underutilized, but here at St. Pius, uh, you guys are aware of it, get plenty of calls, I guess you could say. And you know, as we think of the anointing of the sick, it is simply an an extenuation of our gospel reading today. And we'll talk about that uh, in a minute. But we have to have the background of what we've been talking about all throughout Easter. That is that Easter is new growth. New growth meaning a new growth in Christ. And I had mentioned that for me, Lent is easier than Easter because in the end, during Lent, it's kind of a, a, an, an examination of myself in where am I failing? Where do I need help? Where do I need to be strengthened? And where do I ask God for that grace? And then at Easter, he gives us the grace. But when he gives us the grace, then we have to change. We have to repent. And to me, that strength is more needed during Easter. It's harder to change than it is to examine and simply look at our sins and then ask God to forgive them. And so when we think of Easter and we think of growth, uh, we have to remember that, you know, in our Easter promises, it's about salvation. It's not about our earthly life. So in our first reading, we hear about uh, the various widows complaining uh, that they are not getting their fair share uh, of the portion and that the apostles are having to deal with this. And I always giggle at that thinking, you know, well, you know, maybe things don't change. There's not complete peace, but there are never any complaints at St. Pius about anything. You know, everything is all good, right? But we think of that as an example of, okay, there's still tension. There's still work to be done. And so we look to the, our second reading and we remember that, that we are a, a house hopefully built upon living stones that Christ is living with us. He's with us and he's alive. He's a living God. Says that in the gospel so many times. He's not simply a God who is up there in heaven, away, kind of looking at things and directing traffic. He actually dwells within us and he is with us at all times. And that we are a house being built upon that living stone. So we ourselves become living stones, living altu Christus. In other words, living a life in Christ and being a light in this world. And so we get to the anointing of the sick and the scriptural basis of it uh, comes from the book of James chapter five, verses 14 and 15. And it's very clear what the Bible says about anointing of the sick. I can't really understand why other faiths don't do it because it is that clear. Uh, In that passage, it says, are there any who are sick among you? Let them send for the priest of the church and let the priest pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise them up. And if they have committed any sins, their sins will be forgiven them. Boy, that's exactly what we do when we do anointing of the sick. 
nearly word for word. And that's why I don't understand why we as Catholics seem to be one of the few faiths that actually have that as a regular practice when the command is right there in sacred scripture. But nonetheless, we are doing something that Christ commanded, God commanded in sacred scripture in the book of James. So what does the anointing of the sick mean? What are the effects? Remember, we're talking about salvation. We just talked about the fact that the world maybe isn't going to change in the sense of trial and struggle. And Jesus had his own passion, but that that has been redeemed. See, that's the key we have to remember is that there is nothing arbitrary about what God does and what we face. He is aware of exactly where we are and exactly what we're doing and exactly what we're thinking because he dwells within us. And so when we struggle, when we suffer, that is no longer arbitrary. The Old Testament would say, that's punishment. It's not. It's not punishment. It's not arbitrary. It's not because God doesn't care. It has now been redeemed that there is a salvific effect. And what that means is somehow, some way, we are being drawn closer to Christ, us and those around us in the circumstances that we have. I use this very small example, but it works. When I go and visit someone at the hospital, I usually get comment something like this. Father, I hate to bother you. I know you're busy. And my reply is that that's precisely what I'm here for. It's why I was ordained. I love going to an anointing of the sick because I know that God is going to work through me and teach me in the person that I'm going to see. And you do learn so much from those who suffer and suffer well. I'm not where many of them are spiritually, but God gives us the grace at the right time. But I tell them, I said, look, this isn't arbitrary. God knows we're here. I wish I wasn't here. Sure. Not because I don't want to be here, but because I wish you weren't sick. But you are, and I am here. And I also know that me praying with you is good for my soul. And so very much in a way that your illness is bringing me closer to Christ. And in that way, we can see the salvific effect of what it is and not, not kick back and worry and say, why does God not love me? He does, but we define love as the ultimate salvation. And so when we think of the gospel reading today, don't let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. You know, that second line is, after to not let your hearts be troubled, as we hear over and over again, it can be an imperative. In other words, you have faith in God, have faith also in me, that we know that Christ would never abandon us. And the effects of the sacrament of the anointing of the sick come from this dynamic of Jesus coming and being with us. I'm going to come back and make a place for you, right? I'm going to take you to myself. That's the anointing of the sick. And so the first effect is that our sufferings are united to Jesus' passion. Our sufferings are united to his passion. And so in being united to his passion, 
that means that there's a salvific effect because his passion was salvific, right? And so that's the first thing is that we unite our sufferings with Christ's passion. And going back to Holy Thursday, I'm not expecting you guys to remember a homily from Holy Thursday, but going back to that, remember Jesus offering in the garden, Father, let this cup pass me by, but not your will, but not my will, but your will be done. That's the prayer that we try to make. And I mentioned over Easter that I have never been able to make that prayer 100%. Now I know, I know that God will give us the grace we need at the time. So I would see somebody else, I'm like, man, they're strong. And that's the second effect of the sacrament is the grace to endure. In other words, we in an act of the will offer our sickness to God for the salvation of the world, just like we offer anything else. And so when we say offer it up, sometimes that's used, a term is used or the phrase is used a little bit frivolously. You know, I usually hear it when I'm with some priest friends of mine and I'm complaining about something, never about St. Pius, of course, but you're complaining about something. And when they've had enough, they kind of say, Jim, you just need to offer that up. Meaning shut up, we want to move on to something else, you know? But it is that grace to offer up and you, it takes grace and that's why it's a sacrament because a sacrament is a channel of grace to give us the strength to unite our sufferings to Christ and to offer it for the salvation of the world. That is much easier said than done, particularly in a serious illness, particularly in a serious illness in someone who may be younger, who we would expect would be having a longer life than maybe they have. And so we think of those two effects, uniting, enduring, and that courage to endure. And then we think of the forgiveness of sins. It says it specifically in the scripture passage, their sins will be forgiven. And so if someone is able to go, unable to go to confession, sacrament has the effect of the forgiveness of sins. If you recover and you're able to go to confession, just like anything else, you should confess your serious sins. And then lastly, we think of being prepared for eternal life and that we are able to hopefully know of that presence and be at peace. And we are able to come to know God that if physical healing is something that's conducive to our soul, then we want the sacrament to provide the physical healing. If not, then we trust, we trust that whatever happens is the best in the sense of salvation. We know that each and every one of us one day will be the center of attention at a funeral. That is for sure. Some sooner than others, some surprisingly sooner than others. And we always have to be looking at that day as a day of birth, a day of birth into eternal life. And it's something that I don't think we like to talk about, but it's real. It's why Christians live. We live this life to be with God in the next. That's our ultimate purpose. And so we know the day will come. It's just a matter of when and how. And we always have to be attentive to that and vigilant about that. And this sacrament also provides the grace to be at peace and knowing that God has everything under control and in his plan as it relates to salvation. That we need not be, we need not be anxious. We need not be worried. 
We know that he is going to do everything that he needs to do in order for us to come to him. The only question is if we ourselves engage and allow him to do it. And so we think of, again, our gospel reading today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. You have faith in also in me. And in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. And know that he will come. He will prepare a place for us and come and bring us back to himself so that where he is, we also may be. Doesn't mean that we're not sad. Doesn't mean that we don't have a, a grieving. Doesn't mean that we are able to simply live life and not worry about the human effects Christ did. He cried over Jerusalem, he cried for Lazarus. But at the same time, we in that faith, we know that God is our rock. He's a living stone. He is within us and no matter what this life throws at us, no one can take that away from us. And in illness and in healing, that's where God can do his best work in uniting our sufferings to his passion for the salvation of the world. For those of you who may not be aware of the anointing of the sick, Father Poirier and I go out all the time. We are happy to go and administer the sacrament. It brings us great joy to bring peace to those who are at our service that we ourselves serve. And we pray that all of us, that suffering, certainly suffering is lessened, but we know that it's a reality. And it is a place of growth, a place of Easter growth that allows us to come closer to Christ. Let's thank God for this great gift. Let's ask God to help us along the way to allow us the grace to let him dwell within us that when we are hit with trials, struggles, sufferings, that we ourselves are able to know of his presence and his love and be at his peace.